everyone thank you for joining us on this very special edition of nickish we're very excited about this episode because as many of you may have already heard there's this cutting edge program that's taking the nba and trading world by storm called nba top shot and here to join us to talk about this program is one of the community leads of nba top shot mr jacob eisenberg welcome to the show jacob thanks for having me mo nafi pleasure to be here it's a pleasure to have you um you know we did a little bit of research before we had you on obviously you know um you are our esteemed guests of the evening so um, I did see kind of that really, what really caught my eye was, did I see part-time scout at Draft Express? Was that a part of your journey to NBA Top Shot? Like, I just wanted to know a little about that and how that kind of led you to where you are right now. Yes, sir. Um, I, I scouted for Jonathan Gavoni at Draft Express for about two years. Um, went to a few tournaments with him. Uh, I kind of got my start in the NBA world uh, as the beat writer for the Atlanta Hawks for my school newspaper when I was in mm, college. Cool. Um, and I parlayed that into, you know, access and got really into the analytics. Um, and I was able to start doing a little consulting for some agents. Um, agent that I think his most famous client is Michael Pietris, for example, if you're a, a deep diehard nice. NBA fan. So, <laughs> you know, a lot of, a lot of agents represent players that are like, I guess the, the term is like the 61st pick, right? Like they're mm -hmm. not going to make it into the NBA, but they're going to have a lucrative career in Europe. So I started doing some, some work for a few of those agents that had a roster of clients playing overseas, um, parlayed that into putting together some scouting reports uh, for some assistant coaches in the league. Um, and through those connects, I got set up with Jonathan um, at Draft Express, and he was uh, super welcoming and really helped me grow, uh, refine my, my scouting eye. And, uh, you know, I think the most famous player that I did a, a formal Draft Express scouting report for was probably Alex Caruso. Um, nice. But back Laker in your legend. Yeah, Laker legend. I was pretty in on him from the get-go. I was also very in on Ron Baker, so I can't give myself too much credit. Though I, I maintain that uh, if we legend. tried to if we tried to play up Ron Baker as a three rather than trying to turn him into a one, I think he would have had more success in the league. Um, right. But I think we tried to slim him down and make him faster when bulking him up and kind of using him as a post defender, similar to like what we did with Jason Kidd back in the day. That would have probably been more productive for him. Sorry, getting deep into the Knicks cuts already, but yeah, I think uh, just the TLDR is like I parlayed all of those experiences, all of those connections and uh, ended up leaving the NBA world behind for a bit to work in the, the tech startup space, uh, worked for an app called Daily Bracket for a year and went on to an app called Amino for three, uh, worked at overtime for a cup of coffee right before the pandemic. Um, and then uh, through all of that, I, I kind of really lucked out to join such a great team at Dapper Labs uh, early in the fall. Nice, nice. So, I mean, for those of our listeners that are kind of are on the unfamiliar side with NBA Top Shot, I guess, could you give like a, like a high level kind of summary for them? You know, I mean, because from my understanding, I'm probably less aware than Mo is coming in, you know, but from my understanding, it's kind of like virtual basketball trading cards. Is, is that kind of right or? Yeah, yeah. I would say it's kind of a perfect marriage of three things, uh, trading cards, mm -hmm. the stock market and fantasy sports. Nice. So mm -hmm. it's like trading cards in that every week we release new packs, every pack similar to trading cards. You know, you can pull a great rookie, you can pull a superstar player. Um, unlike trading cards, these are digital multimedia highlights. So oh, wow. rather than pulling, you know, a, a still image of a LeBron James card, so to speak, you're pulling an epic LeBron James dunk. If you think back to the greatest moments in NBA history, for example, you know, eventually Ray Allen's shot over the Spurs is going to make it to the platform. LeBron's block on Iguodala from the finals. Those are going to be kind of epic Oof. moments. Uh, to date, we have like, I'd say some of the, the most special moments that we have on the platform already include Carmelo Anthony's 62nd point from that career high game he had in 2014. Um, we have uh, one of Giannis's first buckets in the NBA. Uh, we did one historic pack and that was from 2014. So we kind of got those two great highlights in there. 
Um, and then, of course, we have, you know, Lamella Ball's first career assist, Tyrese Halliburton's first career bucket. Um, I believe we have Obi Toppin's first career bucket. Um, <laughs> IQ coming soon. Don't have him quite yet on the platform. Is he getting but... his own pack? I guess like a whole pack of <laughs> IQ moments. I mean, he's, it's racked, he's racking up the moments, you know? <laughs> I, I think we could just make an IQ floaters pack and there would be, just from that one Clippers game, there would be enough moments to go around for everyone. But yeah, I mean, I... Uh, I'm really excited about kind of continuing to expand that library. Um, but sorry, I think I, I kind of went off track. So we're like trading cards in that sense. You get a pack. Um, collectors have different interests, prioritize different players, prioritize different things. Serial numbers, like with trading cards, are a big deal. So the lower the serial number on the moment itself, the more valuable it is in theory. So people really gravitate toward one of 999 or one of 49 over you know 27 out of 999 or whatever um gotcha. but we're also like the stock market in that there's just a 24 7 marketplace where people are trading these moments with each other liquidating moments very quickly if you underprice a moment because you want to get some more credits into your account so that you can then invest in a bigger moment so to speak a, a bigger star player um you, you can go to cryptoslam.io and you can kind of see the, the ledger of every transaction that's happening. And I, I think we're right now averaging about $3 million in transactions every single day um, in peer-to-peer -peer marketplace. So um, it's definitely scorching hot. Um, and then the third tier, it's like fantasy sports, but unlike you know picking between daily fantasy sports or keeper league, you can kind of get the best of both worlds where you know, you can look at the schedule, the, the NBA TV schedule, and you can see Jalen Brown Celtics are playing three three nights this week on ABC, ESPN, TNT. It's like, okay, let me invest in Jalen Brown to try to flip him next week for 2x what I got him this week at. Um, and we see that manifest itself in the market, but we also see collectors, oh, I love James Wiseman. I want to hold on to his first, you know, bucket in the NBA for 10 years. So you can kind of take any angle you want. You can invest in young players. You can invest in superstars. Um, like with trading cards, different packs have different levels of rarity for every moment. So there are some moments that there are only 49 in the world. Um, there are some moments where there could be up to 15, 20,000 in the world. Um, and when you compare that with trading cards, that's still way scarcer than, you know, I think I saw the stat that Luka Doncic's Panini Prism card, which is like one of a, a series of different types of cards that Panini makes, there are 15,000 of those Doncic's graded, uh, which means someone's actually taken the time to send that in. Um, so if you think about all the other Doncic Prisms that have not been graded, I would imagine we're kind of in six figure mm. for how many of there are. So, you know, we're, we're trying to, like any economy, we're really trying to prioritize supply and demand. Uh, we have about 30,000 collectors on our platform. Um, as that collector base continues to grow exponentially, the supply is going to remain scarce. So people are really trying to get in, find the moments that are meaningful to them and, and maybe flip them, but also maybe hold for a while because they look at these as alternative assets, very similar to any other uh, crypto in the world, be it Bitcoin, be it Ethereum. Yeah, it's kind of the perfect storm right now, especially after the year that we we're still amidst of trading cards uh, skyrocketing in value. I think I saw a Jordan card that just went in for, I think, $750,000 graded from, I think, 85. And, um, like, you know, like you mentioned, just grading it, that process takes weeks. But right now, if you just go on the website, packs are available. The marketplace is awesome. I, I've been, you know, playing around with it for the past month or so. Um, and just you know, the opportunity that's, that's been built up from this past year and just the interest in stocks and just cryptocurrency is it's, it's beautiful. And to mix it up with the NBA, it, I, I'm very bullish, you know, uh, on, <laughs> on top shot. I just had to add that in there. Um, but, you know, I wanted to ask you a little bit about Dapper Labs because I'm very curious on how it, it, you know, how Dapper Labs got involved with the NBA, because a lot of people are familiar with Dapper Labs when it comes to crypto kitties, which became really big three years ago. And I think it was more, more of the first tradable asset on a blockchain but you know fast forward a couple of years now they're involved with the nba so you know how did that marriage come about and you know what's that relationship going towards really sure so i think when you when you peel back a little bit and you think about technology in eras 
every 10 years or so, there's a technological revolution. And when you think about those revolutions, nearly always they're catalyzed by gaming. So if you think about personal computing, and then you think about the internet, and then you think about social media, and then you think about smartphones. With each of those iterations, gaming was a huge fulcrum. Uh, Dapper Labs, the, the, I think the thesis of the company is that we are um, trying to bring gaming to the blockchain because we think blockchain is going to be the, the very next of these technological revolutions. Uh, I think we're, we've seen it in recent weeks and months. There's increased concern about uh, big tech having as much power as they do. So I think decentralizing uh, and democratizing the internet and access is uh, only trending in, in the right direction there. Um, so you mentioned, Mo, about CryptoKitties. That was kind of the first experiment here. CryptoKitties is kind of like, I, I would liken it to Neopets maybe, where yeah. you can collect your own uh, crypto kitten, uh, like a, a piece of art, and you can assemble a collection of these kittens and you can actually breed them. And we uh, brought it to Ethereum in 2017 and it kind of broke Ethereum in a way. Uh, Ethereum is a great uh, blockchain uh, specifically tailored for more currency exchanges, I would say, not really tailored for gaming. So after the success of CryptoKitties, I think generated about 30 million in revenue, uh, there was a lot of ammo and a lot of confidence and vindication from our team that gaming on blockchain is the next big thing. Uh, we want to make blockchain not as scary uh, a theme or a premise to the average person that's never gotten involved. So we're kind of like the Trojan horse, so to speak, for blockchain. Like, Mo, I think you can probably attest if you've used NBA Top Shot. Yeah. You don't really need to know anything about crypto to get involved. You can pay with a credit card to get credits into the, the platform. And uh, everything from there is, you know, dealing with dapper credits, which, you know, you buy, sell, you trade. It's all the same premises as dollars. And when you want to cash out to your bank, you never have to interact with crypto unless you want to. And there are certainly applications to, you know, cash out into Ethereum or other cryptos like that. So. Um, yeah, I, I would say that through the success of CryptoKitties, we were able to go to the league uh, with a really strong case that we can kind of digitize and revolutionize collectibles for the NBA fan. Um, and that's kind of what led us to this partnership. And, you know, we're still in beta, but about uh, napkin math, about six months past beta or opening the initial site to a closed beta. Um, we've had overwhelming kind of excitement and, and fun. And definitely our site is struggling to keep up with the demand. I think you were very kind earlier to say, Mo, that you can go to the site and get a pack because, <laughs> you know, we used to release packs and they would, uh, 25,000 packs would be released in a batch and they would last us a week. And we had a very kind of predictable schedule and cadence for releasing new packs. And now be it our most common base set packs or rare or legendary packs, we release it and within an hour they're gone with any rare or legendary pack. It's literally by the time you refresh your computer, they're gone. And mm -hmm. we need to kind of figure out a way to make drops more egalitarian, a little more fair because if they're only benefiting whoever has the fastest internet, then we're, we're never gonna be able to get packs to the average consumer so you know we're working on a lot of different techniques and approaches to making sure more people can get packs but that's one of our, our big priorities before we leave our beta we want new collectors to be able to come in uh, and get a pack reserved for them and yet we want to balance that without making it too easy because uh, then what's the disincentive for someone just creating a second account or a third or 20th account and getting packs that way. So right. um, yeah, we're dealing with a very sophisticated tech savvy audience that happens to love the NBA. Some love crypto, some don't even realize they're interacting with crypto until they're, they're fully in it. Um, <laughs> but that's been, it's been a challenge. Uh, I've worked on communities at a bunch of different companies. I don't think I've ever worked with a community that is as tech savvy as this one, which nice. uh, makes it, you know, a, a priority for us to always stay two steps ahead. Um, and that's harder said than done sometimes. Yeah. 
And, you know, despite despite the recent crashes that's been happening for – it was a Cool Cats pack. I think it was the last pack drop. Um, you know, I think the fact that it's a beta is still a testament to how high of a potential this program has. And, you know, I'm one of the lucky ones. And, you know, I, I got to show off a little bit. My first pack drop was oh, yeah. actually the Deck the deck the Hoops one um, oh, yeah. from, from a month ago. And it was all the Christmas games from 2020. And uh, I got to show off to the next level. I got LeBron. Uh, at, nice. my rare one was a LeBron one. And, uh, unfortunately, I mean, fortunately I sold it within 15 minutes. Unfortunately, I sold it too early because mm. I'm looking at the price and it's more than five times increased since. Um, but even then just, just the ease of being able to buy a pack and sell a pack, uh, was awesome. And obviously the, the volume is just increasing at, at a, at a crazy level, but it's exciting. I think a lot of people are very, uh, you know, very much looking forward to, to the program growing. If you don't um, mind me asking, how much were you able to sell your LeBron for in 15 minutes? Just well, out of curiosity. Well, the I, know, I know you undersold it, but yeah, <laughs> tell, tell me, walk, walk the audience through perhaps what the pack cost you yep. and what your return on investment was, even though you undersold it. Yeah. I mean, we have a, a sample pack opening that's going to come later in the show, but for this pack, um, $230. And uh, I'm someone who's been involved with crypto for, I, I want to say three to four years. Um, and so I'm, I'm familiar with it. I, I like doing pack drops for, you know, other, you know, sneakers and such, but, uh, just the process of it, I was familiar. So I had, I had everything ready to go. I knew exactly what time to do. I, I had the refresher button ready to go. Um, so I, you know, I bought the pack $230, uh, opened it one by one. Like I would, if I had an actual physical pack, you go from the least rarest to the rarest card. And, you know, I, I had a John Morant card, uh, in there, I think, um this it was a second to last legendary i think legendary is is the highest one in that pack and i think rare is the second one um so i had a john Morant card which i also sold and um the lebron one was was of the highest um you know legendary status wise i think it was one of 85 so sold it for 2300 which 10x i was i was psyched. i was i was super hyped from it i told a couple of friends they signed up that day and, um, you know, they probably increased the competition, but I was, I was hyped. And I looked at it last week to see how much it costs. It's going for 10 G's right now. Yeah. LeBron, Minimum. LeBron's kind of the index fund. I liken him to the index fund of NBA top shot. If you believe in the platform, never hurts to have King James on your side in your mm -hmm. collection. So, yeah. Um, yeah, correct me if I'm wrong. I think I saw on the news, didn't a LeBron card get sold for about like 70 K or something recently. Like that was came across headlines and I was just like, Whoa, okay. I guess I got to look into this NBA top shot thing. I think more than that. Honestly, I think yeah. there's a hundred K one. Oh, wow. Yeah. In the last week we've had a uh, LeBron, or I guess now it was eight days ago, but we had a LeBron uh, sell for a hundred K eight days ago. Same day. We also saw a Zion sell for a hundred thousand. Wow. Um, We've also, I think in the past week, maybe you've seen three or four other LeBron sell for 50,000 or more, one sold for uh, 70,000. Um, so, you know, LeBron's certainly the one that is getting the most attention, but, you know, we've also seen Zions and Giannis and John Morant. And, you know, if there's a superstar player, you know, people are really gravitating toward, uh, you know, values in the eye of the beholder, but people are gravitating toward things that they are thinking will only go up in value long-term. So, you know, LeBron's established top, I, I would say top two player ever. Mm -hmm. uh, that's pretty uncontroversial at this point, but um, you know, there are people that are speculating that Zion's stock is only going to continue to increase or Doncic or whoever it might be. So um, people are certainly collecting. I think as Mo saw and may have learned the hard way, like this market <laughs> is extremely uh, liquid. Like it, it's yeah. extremely, oh, yeah. it, every, everyone's, there's always a deal to be had. And that's kind of why I say it's similar to the stock market or maybe similar to daily fantasy sports, where if you put in the homework and do the research, you can always find an outlier price. And sellers uh, sometimes are selling, knowing that they're going to not maximize their value. But again, they just want to, get liquidity into their account because they might be trying to bundle two or three of their moments that they have into one bigger moment that someone else might have. Yeah. And, you know, one of the most interesting parts of it is you see the full history and that's where the blockchain part comes in. You see how much it was sold for in the past. So my strategy, I saw, you know, people selling it for 5,000 and 4,000. And then I just put a number right below the cheapest or the second highest one 
and I was able to sell it that way. But you see the full history on how much those cars have been sold for, how much people have it on sale for. And um, it's kind of, you, you kind of see similar strategies with StockX and uh, Goat and apps like that. And it kind of just uses all those strategies and puts together on the blockchain. You see how much it was sold for in real time, which is fantastic. Nice. I mean, you had mentioned kind of, uh, you know, obviously players, you know, it's like basically virtual trading cards. You know, I'm, I'm probably like of, of the two of us, I'm probably the dumb one of the, of the duo right now when it comes to the cryptocurrency and everything, you know, just to kind of put it gently, but like, has, has there any, has there any, like been any kind of interest from actual NBA players to get involved in this as well? Like, have they shown any kind of like, um, you know, um, desire to get active within NBA top shot? Cause you guys are in beta right now, but you know, what's, what's the interest like on the player side? Absolutely. So our investors are an all-star cast. Uh, you've probably heard of some. Uh, Andre Guadala is, uh, you know, finals MVP, of course. Spencer Dinwiddie, Crosstown rival, but uh, also very big into blockchain. Aaron Gordon of the Orlando Magic. JaVale McGee, three-time champion. Uh, Garrett Temple. So they were all part of the initial kind of fundraising round when we were going to launch uh, last summer. Um, but since then, we've had endorsement deals with Tyler Hero. Um, Bogdan Bogdanovich of the Atlanta Hawks is actually the first player to uh, publicly purchase their own moment. So nice. that's exciting. Um, and the, the interest, again, this month has been, I guess we're in February, but January was such a wild month of activity and kind of our profile and I think Mo can attest like from when Deck the Hoops dropped at the beginning of the month to just a week later exponential growth and each week since it's been pretty much doubling our, our user base so um, certainly more players on the way I would anticipate uh, and we're excited to kind of onboard any of them I, I think I actually have some calls later this week with uh, some retired players um, that were um, you know, famous in, in their own respect and right. So uh, very exciting uh, and certainly excited about all that still to come. Yeah. Um, with, with the values of these cars skyrocketing so much so soon, did it, did it come as a surprise to you guys that it happened this early or was this something that was expected? I, I would be lying if I said I wasn't surprised it happened so fast. I always believed in the product and always believed that um, it was the future of sports collectibles. Um, I, I think that what's really wild to me is, you know, if we look between the months of October when we opened our beta to anyone and then December, you know, that's when most of our content was released and the marketplace was active for sure. And people were spending a, a good deal of money on moments. But I think this past month, the it's just been a gold rush for sure. And people have really uh, dove in head over heels. Um, I think the thing that's been the most surprising to me has maybe been how quickly the collector base has understood the abstract idea. So digital cards, you know, we, we always knew we were going to be met with skepticism of why can't I just watch that on YouTube? And to that, I always say like, why can't you type in LeBron James rookie on Google, print out an image of that rookie card, glue it to a piece of cardboard and <laughs> say you have a $1.8 million card, right? And, and if you want to do it in a less kind of callous way, you can get an expert Photoshopper to really make a duplicate of that rookie card pretty yeah. indistinguishable. So I think the official license with the NBA really does carry weight in this collector community. Mm. And that'd be... Uh, it would be insincere to deny the role that, um, you know, collect like trading cards, as you mentioned that earlier in the show, it's just been a renaissance. I think like, you know, when I was growing up, I certainly collected trading cards. And I think every 20 years or so, you know, you have a new generation of children who become parents who want to <laughs> pass on their, their kind of heritage and their experiences to their children. So um, it's a perfect storm. And then of course, you know, um, notwithstanding wall street bets in the past two weeks and madness <laughs> over there like it's just been a time where everyone's at home looking for things to invest in things to you know enjoy and entertain themselves and i think nba top shot in a lot of ways is an arcade where you know on top of the possible monetary benefits it's it's certainly a fun place to you know interact and just kind of 
uh, indulge yourself in the, some of the greatest moments in history and see what good deals are out there. And, uh, you know, like an arcade, I would never recommend anyone to invest money that they don't have to spend on NBA Top Shot. But if you have some disposable income, I, I would say, you know, there, what, what do you have to lose other than the 20 or 50 bucks by set, signing up, making a, a purchase and seeing, you know, if, if that's Alec Burks and he has a big game, like seeing how much his moments might mm-hmm. spike or, you know, yeah. whatever they might be. So it really has a little bit of something for every NBA fan. And um, I would liken it kind of to, you know, I think I've made a bunch of analogies, but we keep on hearing that this is like the closest anything's ever been to a stock market for players and kind of investing in players' futures and uh, their potential or their established stardom. So yeah. that's been awesome to see. Gotcha. So that basically means don't, you know, don't, you know, kind of recommend this to Alfred Payton fans, you know? Just, you know. <laughs> <laughs> no comment. Um, but I will say, uh, you know, we, we do, I think, one thing I really want to hammer across, because we're all really excited, but I think I have some social responsibility here as a community leader of a uh, growing community. Like we are seeing these stories of people requesting for expedited withdrawals or, um, you know, claiming that they, they put all of next month's rent money into Top Shot. Like, I do not recommend that. I don't think it's wise. I think if you're in it solely for the purpose of trying to make money and you don't see the value and maybe holding onto moments, um, you're likely going to make not super wise decisions that might end up having a real financial strain on you. So um, while, you know, similar to daily fantasy sports, there's certainly upside, but if you're being irresponsible, um, you're you're putting yourself in a a bad position. So... um, you know, no comment, no comment on Alfred Payton. I do think <laughs> Emmanuel quickly should be getting uh, some more minutes. I, you know, there's an argument to be made that having quickly come off the bench is good for him and allows him to play against kind of reserves and build up some confidence that way. Um, but, you know, I'm still a little salty that Frank's out of the rotation and I'm not like, I, I've come, I've, I've distanced myself from being the blind Frank believer that I was for many years, but <laughs> I think at the end of the day, like we're not winning the championship. And uh, if, if the option is Frank or someone that has not been very good, I lean toward the homegrown potential upside and sure. similar to with top shot. If Frank has a few good games, maybe we could flip him for an asset, but languishing him on the bench does not do anyone a, a service as far as um, here's what I guarantee he's going to go to the Spurs or he's going to go to the jazz and he's going to be a productive ninth man for years. And we're going to always wonder, Oh, why didn't we play him over Alfred Payton? And like, again, no disrespect on Alfred because, you know, I think he's been a a quality rotation player in the league for a long time. He's not having the best season right now. Um, And, you know, I, I give a lot of players benefit of the doubt in an era of COVID that, Oh, there are other things on your mind. I understand that. Like, this is not, you know, so I digress. uh, But yeah, (laughs) as you can see, I'm very passionate about my Knicks as well. Uh, Jacob probably got voicemails from Alfred Payne right now. So you try to get more moments on (laughs) top shot. (laughs) Um, But on that note, let's, let's check out, let's check out top shot real quick and check out the marketplace. So everyone, you know, watching this can see uh, how easy it is to check out the marketplace and just we're going to do a sample open pack too. So I'm really excited about it. So um, Jacob, why don't you, why don't you nav- navigate us a little bit on, you know, what you'd hope any viewers of this can, can see. Yeah, absolutely. So I think, as you said, the marketplace is kind of where all the action happens. We do pack drops or try to do pack drops about twice a week. Um, you can see that little pop-up where, in high demand mode right now, which means it might take a little while to lag. Um, This is kind of what I was alluding to earlier as trying to get the site in a position where it can handle the increased demand. But yeah, here are some great moments. Um, These all seem to be more or less from series two. So if you look at each moment here before clicking it, or yeah, click into RJ. No, no, it's totally fine. Um, you can Instinct. see the values really range. You can see this is an RJ moment from earlier this season. Um, but 
as we were talking about earlier, serial number really de determines the value or at least the, perce the perceived value in the community. So um, well, if you don't mind hitting that drop down menu under serial, just to scroll up uh, high up. So you can see, you can get in on this RJ Barrett moment for about 10 bucks. Or if you scroll up to, is that as high as it goes? Six, number, number 16, 16 is the highest, yep. So any serial number within the top uh, 200, I would say, becomes uh, quite expensive. And as I was mentioning earlier, there's always a deal to be had. So if I'm just kind of napkin math or ballparking, looking at the, the listings that you have, if you keep scrolling up again, um, I see number 63 going for 175 and I look at it sandwiched between number 54 going for 900 or number 65 going for 850. That seems like a potential opportunity. And again, like this is you like every single moment in uh, the marketplace might have an outlier. It might not be in the top 100, but that's kind of a, a TLDR of kind of collector strategy. Try to find the outlier prices, um, the lower the serial number, generally the better, obviously, RJ uh, being number nine, if his serial number nine was available, I would imagine that they are selling that for quite a lot. Um, Take notes, guys. Serial number one. Serial I number definitely one. But if, if you, if you uh, hit the back button and go back to that marketplace, I, can, I think I can maybe provide a little color commentary on what else you might be seeing here. Again, site is slow, and I, I know that. Uh, I hear that on Twitter literally 24-7, so bear, bear with us for a bit. Uh, that is why uh, you see beta at the top of most screen right now. We keep on trying to reinforce that. Um, once it all loads again. So again, uh, if you so without clicking into anything, under Markel Foltz, you're going to see Jump Shot, December 27th, 2020, Base Set Series 2. Orlando, of course, the team he plays for, and it says common number out of uh, 15,000 with a CC. If there's a CC next to the, the serial number, it means that we might mint more of that moment. So we're not officially done. It might not stop at 15,000. Um, it might go all the way up to 20 or 20 plus uh, thousand. Whereas with Contavious Caldwell Pope in the next frame, it says rare number Two, out of 299 with the LE. LE is short for uh, limited edition, which means there will only ever be 299 of that KCP moment to be had. Um, and again, market is often dictated by supply and demand. So with 15,000 plus of Markel Foltz, $3 purchase uh, with 299 in the world of this KCP, uh, cheapest you can get in the door is at $290. So again, I would liken it, you know, these moments are awesome. Uh, the highlights are really cool, but I, again, would liken it to almost like a stock where if you're really a believer in KCP, maybe you buy a few shares of his moment to keep on kind of stacking that, that, uh, um, that investment, so to speak. Uh, if you keep scrolling down, I'm curious if we have any, okay, so we have a legendary Kyrie Irving that just got listed uh, in the bottom right. That's out of only 50. Um, you can tell if it's legendary based on the border of the moment. So you, you can kind of see that three-dimensional corners. Um, that's kind of the distinguishing factor on the thumbnail. You'll notice some other kind of factors on it if you clicked into the moment. Uh, that's going for 11,000 at its floor. There are only 10 being sold on the marketplace right now. So if you're a big believer in Kyrie, quite hard to get your hands on. Um, and you'll also notice underneath Kyrie, it says Series 1. Uh, that just means that it was minted in our first season. So that was minted last year. Um, theory goes, if you're a collector and you believe in Top Shot 50 years from now, uh, having something from the first year of Top Shot is going to have added value as a legacy play. Uh, series 2 also very early. So time to get in the door for a Dennis Schroeder or a Michael Porter Jr. at a much more affordable price point. But these are kind of other things that are floating around the, the economy and ecosystem around Top Shot that might help inform some decision-making for collectors. So where, where can we see the various levels of cards? So filter should probably give us that, right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. 
might just, again, take some time with the dropdown. Um, but if you filter by tier, mm. we don't have any ultimates yet. Those are coming. Uh, those are actually going to be out of three. Uh, so we anticipate those are going to set wow. new records. Wow. Um, legendary, of course. Under 100 minted, you got your LeBron deck the hoops. That's out of 85. Um, we're going to continue to make legendaries less than 100 in a set. Rares are about, uh, 999 or less. And commons, as we saw with Markel Fultz, could go up to 15,000 plus. Um, but uh, there are also certain common moments that are retired. Uh, you can see the John Collins on your screen, for example. That's a common moment uh, with only 5,000. And uh, that has the limited edition. Uh, the CC next to Michael Porter Jr.'s name, that stands for circulating count, which means how many we've minted to date. But if there's a plus on the moment or the, on the 15,000, like you see there, um, that means that we're liable to probably mint more of those. Nice. Um, yeah, now if it is your first time looking at it, you have any uh, questions? As a first-time viewer, I have regrets for not like getting on this sooner. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely will be on here very soon, very often though. I can tell you that much. <laughs> let's see. Let's see real quick what what do we have under the legendary and just an idea of the costs because you know a Reggie Bullock for thirty-five hundred isn't bad. So what I would probably do is let's. I mean Reggie Bullock isn't the sexiest name, but if you click it. And this is actually a, a pretty collect. This is a collector's treat because he's stripping LeBron. So Ooh, nice. years from now, if uh, there's any Reggie Bullock super fans out there, this is going to be maybe his, his most his shiniest moment on Top Shot, so to speak. So um, yeah, there's. So what I, I see it may it may have already sold in the time that you clicked in to see that Reggie Bullock that was going for thirty five hundred. Someone may have already kind of claimed it. Uh, as, as I mentioned, this marketplace is quite active. Um, I'm always recommending to collectors to pursue zeitgeist moments, uh, things that are going to stand the test of time. So career highs, rookies. Um, I, I do think that those are kind of the safest investments for long-term strategy. Um, but yeah, this is uh, kind of a background on on the moment itself. It's not just the highlight. It has a ton of digital kind of licensing and, and it can track kind of the sales history of each moment. So in this case, we've seen the top sale for that Reggie Bullock was serial number eight that went for 7,500 bucks. Nafi, would you buy a Reggie Bullock moment for $7,500? Me, no, but his closest friends and relatives? Maybe a number one went for fifteen hundred. That's that's really good. Really good, of course, is like again in the eye of the beholder. I, I certainly uh, would not recommend spending fifteen hundred if you don't have the money to spend. But I think you can kind of do the rough math of thirty thousand collectors on Top Shot. I think the the number the NBA released last year is one point five billion basketball fans around the world. Um, I, I don't think that we've saturated our our market fit quite yet so uh we'll, we'll see we'll see what prices look like in a year as we continue to grow the audience but um i think there are a lot of different factors again going back to supply and demand that will help inform strategy um as you see these packs sell out so quickly and it's hard for us to keep up with the demand uh, you yeah. did get your hands on that deck the hoops pack with the the shiny art um, the um the pack themselves like you know nine dollars that's the cost of a regular pack of just basketball cards if you're interested in like pokemon cards i'm sure they go for around nine ten dollars too so you know i i think that's really uh interesting to see that you know online even the, the cost is still relatively the same we always want to give our collectors value so if they're buying a pack if they're taking the time to really jump through the hoops of landing a pack with so much competition we want it to be, you know, worth their while and be it someone that's more like a sneaker flipper that's just trying to rush to get a Yeezus and flip it immediately or be it someone that's a diehard fan of both the NBA and believes in, in alternative assets long-term. 
um, there are different collector strategies and different rewards and incentives for, um, you know, showing up and competing for these packs because again, uh, we can, we can control for the supply. We can't control for the demand. So that's always been kind of, uh, yeah. the, the balancing act that we're trying. So you've been gracious enough to send Nickish, uh, two packs. So we're gonna do a quick, uh, opening here. So. So, a little. so uh -huh. a little, a little context before we open, uh, these are our base set packs. Again, these are our most common, uh, though they're our most common, they still sell out pretty instantaneously. Um, the best moments you could get in these packs are only common moments, but you can get a, a rookie, you can get a superstar. Um, there are limited edition uh, common moments to pull in this pack. I believe each pack has three moments. So we're gonna be pulling six in total. Um, my fingers are crossed for you guys that you, you hit. <laughs> You hit a jackpot and pull a great star or a great rookie. So good luck to you. And Mo, you might get some audio feedback. We do have a soundtrack with each pack. So um, I don't know if that will translate over to the audience, um, but you can always mute in the top left if it's loud. Yeah, not sure. Um, like... We'll just start cutting it out. So I'll go ahead and do this. Um, we'll start from the left to right until we got it. I'm going to say, you know, just to kind of quote Cloud, I definitely like the pageantry. Yeah, we really want to simulate that experience. Al Horford, uh, I think that's his first Thunder moment. Um, you know, it has the timestamp. It happened on New Year's Eve. Um, you know, I covered the Hawks for years, so Big Al is a player that's near and dear to my heart. Uh, one of the most underrated guys. Sure, of the... sure. um, I'm not sure if both, if you got, if you're uh, lagging on your end, but it's kind of lagging on my end. Um, but hopefully the video is going to be all right. So Al Horford was the first oh. one, I believe. Jacob, you said that was his first dunk with OKC. Go ahead yes, and sir. Re reveal a second one. Nice. nice. That's a good moment. Very nice. Jalen Brown, December 30th uh, against the Grizzlies, 126-107. They won the game. That must have been right before the Grizzlies went on their, what was it, seven-game winning streak that they're on right now? Yeah. I think they were shooting for their eighth in a row, but. Wow, Jalen Brown's so good now, like on a random note. Doesn't it make you feel kind of good that the Celtics didn't get a great pick from the Grizzlies or Kings and like their dynasty, you know, they, they, to be clear, I would happily trade our entire situation to get Tatum and Brown, but mm. it, seem, it seems like uh, they don't have a clear path to a championship, which seemed inevitable for years. Yeah. Uh, right all those moves but you know at the end of the day you got jason tatum it's not too bad and wow. last but not least of this pack is this luca kleber, uh, kleber. <laughs> so mark cuban actually just talked about nba top shot in a recent blog and he talked about how he owns lots of kleber moments so nice. uh we we did see his uh his value in the marketplace go quite up um and that looks like it's a uh, Clearly not a game winner because they won by seven, but based on the, the crowd reaction, based on his teammates' reactions on that shot, it certainly looks like it was a, a nice pull. Yeah, it was definitely a clutch basket. And we see Mark Cuban lately talking a lot more about Bitcoin and crypto, and he seems to be very high on it now. So it'll be interesting to see if Mavericks, Top Shot, Cardmo, is like you said, start to just increase more because Mark Cuban starts to maybe talk about it a little bit more. Um, So let's... So that was awesome. Let's move on to the next pack. Fingers crossed. And we'll start from the right this time. Ooh. We got a mix. Hey. Nice. nice. And so, a cameo by Alfred Payton, too. Speak of the devil. <laughs> <laughs> so this is number 11,571 of 15,000 plus. Um, but awesome, man. I love, I love Mitch. Who doesn't? Next, we got the Hawks. Cam yeah. Reddish. Nice. This is a great dish. Ooh. Wow. Good finish, too. RJ's college teammate, of course. 
the lesser-known Duke player of that year. And last but not least, that's Tyler Hero. Ooh, that's nice. a great poll. 7-18. Awesome. What a move. So what we can do now, you've pulled your pack, you can go to your collection and you can try to list, um, be it the hero or be it um, the Jalen Brown, and you can kind of see what the marketplace is dictating again on that, that supply and demand. Um, after every pack pull, uh, we, we kind of give you some, some data. We tell you what your best pull is, generally dictated based on either the circulating count or the low serial number itself. In this case, Tyler Hero, a serial number in the top 1,000 of 15,000. That could be quite valuable someday. Nice. So they give you some common ones. I mean, similar ones here. Um, listed for 375. Nice. Not bad. And I think this one was number seven. So, yeah. 718. This, so 718, if you go to. It's the same moment that's 502 that's listed for 60 right now. Mm. So, you know, if these are $9 packs, you you can kind of gauge the market that so the value of the market right now is saying that that moment alone is a $60 moment. Um, it's a pretty nice pull for your pack. Awesome. Nice, nice. Um, and collection... No, it doesn't seem to have button up here. So let's go back. If you hit done in the top right. Oh, okay. And then you go to your moments. There's been a lag recently. It looks like they all showed up. Um, yeah, let, let's just, you, you take your pick. You can see what the market is valuing for any of those. I'll show you exactly how to do so. So you go to Mitch, you go to place for sale. Not that you would ever want to sell Mitch. <laughs> Heck no. <laughs> if you go to place for sale, there's going to be, it's loading, but there should be a pricing helper. Yep. If you click on that, we'll pop up and you can sort by price. So you can see what the floor looks like. So it's a $3 moment at the floor based on your serial number, which was not a particularly low serial number. If you were trying to flip it, I would imagine, you know, selling it for three bucks would get the job done. Of course, we're all buying Mitch stock, so I would never recommend that. But, you know, that's just an example. I, I would not say outside of the context of being on a Knicks pod that Mitch Robinson high serial is the sexiest poll, but that alone, if you get three of those in a pack, so to speak, um, you're, you're breaking even on the pack. So again, we're always trying to get a uh, good value to our collectors who are able to acquire these packs, which kind of goes to show and explains why they're so coveted and high demand. Yeah. The, the first moment I ever bought before the deck, the halls pack was a Mitchell Robinson, a rare one. I think got it for like 50, $60. I'm sure it's going for four or 500 now and I'm holding on to it to the moon. <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> um, all right, we, we, we got to talk some Knicks, Jacob, because I know it's about that time. We, we, we love them Knicks. And, um, you know, you're, you're just account icon. You're uh, – oh, nice, nice. Um, your uh, Gmail icon is Walt Frazier, and you got the Knicks hat on, and you showed us your shirt beforehand. And Frigio Smalls. <laughs> Pablo Frigioni, the legend. <laughs> um, As I said earlier, he's a man of culture. You know I mean, you need a fine taste to appreciate the prig, man. <laughs> uh, I just I long for the days of uh, a three-headed monster of Felton Prigioni kid man what a year that was oh man I mean we're one-third of the way there you know IQ is uh I think he's fully in that point guard spot if we That's do have right. a trifecta one day but um I guess you know kind of to kick off this next talk you know you know there's a lot of good vibes going around even if we are kind of nine and 13 I guess I want to I kind of want to ask you flat out do we really have our, like, do we finally have our core now? You know, Randall, Mitch, RJ, IQ, is that kind of the core for us moving forward? Is that, what do you think about that? I'll, I'll, I'll temper our, I'll qualify by saying I'm more encouraged by all of those guys than I thought I would be going into the year. Mm -hmm. um, but I would also temper the excitement with, kind of a realistic outlook that unless RJ's shot is for real and mm -hmm. in the past week it's looked great, but I think he's still at only about 30, 32% for the season. 
I think it's really hard to be uh, a guy like RJ that does need the ball in their hands to be most effective um, right. on a championship level team. Like we, we often see the best teams in the league are, are teams that are able to have their third or fourth best player be a guy that has maybe 15% usage and just kind of stands in the corner and can be a, a spacer and mm-hmm. keep gravity on the defense. Um, for someone like RJ, I think his, his, he's best with the ball in his hands. He's not as dangerous off ball. And that puts us in a situation where do we believe he's a top two, top three guy on a championship contender? I'm less certain of that. I think an optimistic kind of projection might be like a Luol Deng type, like mm-hmm. fringe all-star who can defend and be a, a solid two-way guy. Um, but, you know, I think when you're constructing teams, I, I get very rigid about, do I think this guy can be the third or fourth best guy? Because if I don't think that, then their value to me long-term is defined by how much trade equity they can get for a top guy that can be that. Right. Wow. Um, sticking with RJ for a sec, because I know you have some bit of experience with Draft Express. Uh, who would you say is the best player comp? I know it's a couple of years, you know, since he's been drafted, but since uh, from based off his game from the last couple of years and how he's been growing as a player, you know, what kind of you, you mentioned Luol Deng? Is that his ideal player comp, or do you see him play style wise be able to develop to an even better player? I think Luol Deng's a, a a better shooter um so in some ways might be a better fit as a third banana on a great team um but i I see a lot of upside on rj's defense he's strong as an ox really really impressed this year on that end in particular um and he competes he hustles um going into the year i kind of thought that his comp was tyreek evans like another guy that really needs the ball in his hands to be most effective. Tyreek, of course, later in his career became a really good off-ball shooter um, with Memphis in particular. Um, but yeah, I think RJ, I think it's kind of in that range, right? Like someone that's strong, uh, really high pedigree coming out of high school, um, coming out of college. Uh, but again, without like a really reliable three-point shot, I, I just worry that they're not the most portable player, so to speak. And by portable, I mean, can't really put them on the Warriors, for example, a few years ago and right. expect them to be as effective as an off-ball guy because, I don't know, I just really, that like, that's kind of why I love Alec Burks and quickly as much as I do. They, they can shoot really well from spot up or, you know, in pull-up situations, which means they can be on-ball or off-ball, which means one day we're going to land a superstar. It's going to happen. And we can just kind of shape shift them into that off ball spot, um, which is a little harder to do with someone like RJ that that is fairly ball dominant at their best. Last question on RJ. Though. I mean, a lot of kind of optimistic RJ fans would kind of point to Jimmy Butler as kind of a point of comparison. Do you see any validity in that comparison or is that kind of too like too high end in terms of like expectations, setting expectations for RJ rather? What's RJ, 20 years old? I feel very sheepish to discount him at all. Like, who knows? You know, he could be a superstar. I think Jimmy Butler didn't come into the league until he was 21. So for sure, there's an opportunity. Um, I would just, again, temper it by saying, I don't think that RJ is quite the bulldog on defense that Jimmy was at a young age. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm encouraged by it. I think RJ can be, Um, but... I, I, I want to kind of see it first. And I think with RJ, it's kind of, unfortunately, a bit like the Andrew Wiggins situation where they were such a superstar in Canada. No, I, I think R, I'm higher on RJ than I am on Wiggins. And Wiggins gotcha, has been, gotcha. he's been quite a heart attack. <laughs> he's been quite good on defense this year too, uh, Wiggins to his credit. But with RJ, I think there was so many, so much uh, adulation at a really young age, being the face of their country's future, Steve Nash kind of, put his arm around RJ at a young age and said, this guy is going to be a superstar. And I think for someone like RJ, who just frankly, like we haven't seen good free throw shooting. We haven't seen great perimeter shooting. Um, I think there's like a chip on your shoulder where it's really hard to context switch and, and recognize maybe you are better as a third wheel, um, better as a cutter, better as a primary defender. Um, 
for him, because there's been a little bit of a void, and I think Julius Randle's really filled in that void this year as a primary offensive option, um, I think there's been a lot of weight on RJ's shoulders to, to handle that high usage load, which makes his, his counting stats look good, but might not be you know, the most efficient. Right. I mean, you mentioned Julius Randle. I guess that's naturally asked the next question. Is this for real? Is this Julius Randle we've seen this season, the guy that's going to be Julius Randle moving forward? Or is this kind of like a, a contract year kind of a situation going on with him? It's a good question. Um, on talent, I think he can absolutely sustain it. But I think when I keep going back to portability and context switching, mm-hmm. I'm very high on this kind of premise. And I think like Julius Randle has the perfect situation right now where he has super high usage and he, he has the slack and freedom to commit turnovers. He has quite a high turnover rate this year. Um, and he's not getting pulled because he is the best option. Um, but I think like there are a lot of players in the NBA, uh, just to name a few off the bat, like be it Derek Rose or be it DeMar DeRozan or be it um, Mike Beasley. Gotta love Be- Like there are a lot of guys that are super talented that if the situation is fully accommodated to their skill set, they're going to put up great numbers. And I think we saw that most poignantly with Isaiah Thomas with the Celtics that one year he became a superstar what was that team makeup? It was Isaiah scores the ball and we're just going to surround him with four shooters that are bulldogs on defense. Right. And that really worked out for him. And I think Julius Randle, until I see more from the perimeter shooting that would suggest like he can play off ball a little bit, I think it's not too conducive to bringing in a guy that's a bigger alpha dog than him and then having Julius Randle as a second banana. Because I think where you see him locked in on defense this year, I don't I don't want to expect that to sustain in the edge case where maybe he doesn't get as much opportunity on the offensive end to keep him engaged. Yeah, it's definitely a good way to put it. I think that's might, that might be one of the concerns with IQ being a starter because he demands the ball so much and that might be taking touches away from Randall. But, you know, overall, when we see the work that Thibodeau has done this season and the improvement that this team has made leaps and bounds, was, was Tibbs the coach that you wanted when – the Knicks were doing their coaching search or was there another coach that you had in mind outside of Tibbs that you wanted them to take a you know stronger look at? Yeah, I'm eating a lot of crow. I think uh, Tibbs has proved to be the right hire. Um, I was very uh, perhaps unfairly annoyed at the hire. Um, I thought it was fairly unoriginal and uninspiring, um, but Tibbs has proven to be the perfect guy for the job uh, establishing that culture of defense I think at the time the the two guys that I was really interested in in seeing um, Kenny Atkinson of course who had a really successful track record with Brooklyn I actually know him fairly well from his days with the Hawks uh, when I was covering the team so I really wanted Kenny uh, just because I thought he could kind of do a similar thing with Mitch that he did with Jared Allen and a similar thing with RJ that he did with Dinwiddie. Um, and then the other guy was Ime Udoka, uh, who's mm. been, you know, around the block, uh, assistant with the Spurs for years, assistant with Philly. Um, I just always liked his demeanor. I always thought that he was a good kind of, uh, he was a good player too. So I, those were the two guys that I thought had really uh, interesting experience. And then of course, Becky Hammond, I think like it, we need, we need to have a, a female hire at some point. And I think she's more than qualified. So um, she's another kind of uh, candidate that I was interested in. Uh, I'd be lying if I, if I didn't acknowledge that my personal relationship with Kenny uh, really motivated me to really want him to get the job. Um, but he, he's doing a great job now with the Clippers uh, as top assistant to Ty Lue. So everything works out for everyone. Yeah. So Jacob, when we wrap up these interviews, we like to ask a couple of personal questions with our guests, uh, just get an idea of them outside of Knicks and just NBA. Um, do you play basketball on a regular basis? And if so, you know, who do you try to model your game after? Yeah, um, love playing ball. I think uh, before before we started recording, I mentioned how I tried to take Pablo Prigioni's defense yeah. <laughs> into account. So always trying to be pesky on inbounds, seeing the, the offensive team kind of sleeping and just stealing inbounds passes. Um, I would say like, honestly speaking, 
Joe Ingles from like four years ago before he became a super lights out shooter. Like nice. I, I always have taken pride in my passing. Um, and I think I'm a, a pretty good kind of wing point forward, so to speak. Um, that's kind of how I would classify my game. But um, Joe Ingles has just become such a lights out shooter over the past four years. And uh, I always liked it when he was like a 36% shooter because that's a little more in, in line with me. Uh, my friends say that I'm kind of like Sean Livingston. So something in that range of like pass first for sure, decent defender, pretty lanky. Gotcha. Nice. Very nice. And Sean Livingston, does that mean your your mid-range turnaround is as automatic as his or not yet? Not quite. Uh, not not quite. I would say uh I've got a, a decent a decent mid-range game for sure. Um, but I think I'm still trying to chase the Joe Ingalls dragon and become a sharpshooter from perimeter. So that's kind of nice. leading into my uh my effectiveness and efficiency, I'd say. But yeah, I, I try to play in non-pandemic times. I was playing in a weekly run. I try to, you know, at least play twice a month. Gotcha, gotcha. And to kind of close this out, you know, we are the Nickish podcast, as you can see on the spiffy hat. Love it, love uh, it. We, we just kind of like to ask certain guests, what does the word Nickish mean to you when it first comes to mind? You know what I mean? Because there's a specific reason Mo and I named our podcast this, but we just want to hear our guest take first. You know what I mean? Yeah, great question. Um, I, I hate to admit it, but the first name that comes to mind is Lou Amundsen. It's like, <laughs> he's so Nickish to me. Like, exactly. We, you know, like him or, ah, man, like there, there are too many great Knicks all time to me. And by great, I mean like just so memorable as a Knicks fan. Like, how did that guy get 20 minutes a game? Alexi Fed. Um, Famously, Shvet. yeah, same <laughs> same team as Lou, um, but you know, I think when I think of Nickish, unfortunately, it's taken somewhat of a, a a joking tone, and I think that's made popular in like when Pixar's making riffs on the Knicks yeah. in the movie Soul, like you know, <laughs> we hit rock bottom. Um, but you know, I think like I look back on my early like formative Knicks fan years, LJ's four point play, like I think there will never be a sweeter nectar than the Knicks in the playoffs, like actually as like a legit contender. I think 2012, 2013, we had a little taste of like, this team is pretty good. But I think we all kind of knew that against Miami, for sure, we weren't going to beat the big three. I think we all were a little disappointed that we lost to Indy. I, I still maintain that um, something happened to JR in like the last month of the season where he went from like getting eight free throws per game to two in the playoffs. And that, that was kind of what did us in. Um, but yeah, I mean like Lynn sanity for sure. Like I, I'm just trying to think of all the the times where we've had a glimmer of hope. We're nine and 13. And you, have you talked to a Knicks fan this year that isn't excited? We're nine yeah. and 13. And, <laughs> and then you look at, you look across town, the Nets have, by far the like the most top heavy roster in the east and they're like not that fun to watch so i i kind of <laughs> i relish where we are because i think the future is really bright i think we've learned that we have to be a competent organization to attract a superstar via free agency um my guess and i don't love this move but my intel um, is that we're going to try to make a very competitive offer to Victor Oladipo mm. in the offseason um, with the hope that he kind of, similar to what you were saying with the Jimmy Butler kind of bulldog mentality. Like, I, I frankly am sheepish to give any guy that's had multiple knee issues uh, a long-term contract. But, mm -hmm. you know, I think we're, we're pacing in the direction of getting a star. Um, I I think we see this with a lot of teams. I just don't want to cash it in on the wrong opportunity. I'm happy to ride this incremental wave of success and uh, really cash in when the moment's right, be it, you know, who, whoever that free agent is in three years. Um, I'd rather not like accelerate our timetable just to chase the seven seed, so to speak. Yeah. Awesome, man. And yeah, that's basically why we named it Nickish. It's just, you know, <laughs> Lou Amundsen. Exactly Lou Amundsen, why. Lance Thomas, <laughs> Alexi Shved, Andrea Bargiani. It's just around that time oh, when man. things happen to us. And then someone's like, yeah, it's just, just real Nickish. And it's like, oh, <laughs> the Knicks doing some Nickish, you know, ish again. 
um let me let me let me give lance thomas a little bit of cover he's not in that tier of no Nick-ish. no for now. <laughs> love, but like nicks but, but let, let, let's be sure to include kurt rambis in that discussion oh for sure kurt rambis Ugh. is a, a trip and the uh, untouched will herb williams <laughs> you know the man has survived so many regime changes <laughs> he, he's the the I have a ton of respect because, like, at a certain point, it can't be fun to keep running it back. But he, right? <laughs> yeah. And no, like I... Breen, Clyde, everyone, everyone that's in it to win it, like, we all know how sweet that fruit's gonna look or taste mm-hmm. in in be it ten years, be it five years, be it fifty years. It'll happen at some point in our lifetimes, and that's gonna be the best feeling of all time. Absolutely, we're all gonna cry together, <laughs> uh, nonstop. Trash talk and world tour, all Knicks fans combined. Uh, it's it's gonna be glorious. And um, you know, Jacob, we're we're really appreciative of you joining us today. Um, hopefully we'll see some Knicks packs dropping soon. Um, you know, really looking forward to it. And I think you know, Top Shot is very ex- exciting. And I think a lot of people watching this are gonna are looking forward to what's next and probably gonna join Top Shot, you know, right here, right now. We'll put a link below um for you guys to join and um, you know. Really excited to see what's next for Top Shot. Mo, Nafi, really appreciate you having me. I had a blast. Uh, let's chop it up on Twitter anytime and uh, go Knicks. Absolutely. Thank you, man. Take care. Have a good Thanks night. Again.